0: Welcome to The Farm Project, where a group of ex-members and concerned loved ones take a deep dive into the Christian nonprofit organization based in Holden, Missouri called Harvest Home, Our Father's Farm. We want to caution our listeners, especially ex-farm members, that this episode comes with a trigger warning. This episode also comes with a disclaimer that the information presented and opinions expressed are solely our own.
1: Welcome back everybody to the Farm Project Podcast. We're so excited for another season with you guys. And today we have a really exciting guest from the Lil- Lilatch Center and um, it's Tammy. And she's gonna share with us a little bit about uh, what they do there. And so Tammy, if you'd like to introduce yourself, we would love that.
2: Sure, thank you. Um, My name is Tammy Willis, and I work at the Lalit Center on Cults and Coercion, uh, which was founded by Yanya Lalit, who is a uh, world-renowned expert in the field of cults and coercion. Um, Basically, the Lalit Center was created with a goal of becoming the go-to resource in recovery from cults and coercive control, narcissistic abuse, and, and other types of manipulation. Um, the law Center provides support and education for survivors, family, friends of survivors, mental health professionals, um, and others working in the field of cult recovery. Um, so that's that's our sort of basic overview, and our, our our missions and goals are are kind of to change the conversation around cultic abuse because it's so stigmatized in society today. So what we would like to do is increase recognition of what coercion and cultic abuse looks like, um, and to educate the general population about cults, as well as helping the survivors of cults.
1: Mm yeah that's great well that's exactly what we're you know so excited to learn more about and to kind of give information about to the rest of the people listening um can you let us know what your role is there um and kind of how you got to be um, a part of it sure um So I wear a
2: lot of hats at the Lalit Center right now. We started out as an LLC a few years ago, and we just recently um, switched over to become a nonprofit because what we would really, really love to do is to be able to offer our services to survivors and families at low or no cost. So Uh, What we're working on right now is um, just getting some fundraising in place so that we'll be able to do that going forward. But um, the the role that I have played in the past is just sort of a little bit of everything because we're a very small organization. So I do a lot of uh, copywriting for the website, Um, uh, I've in the past helped with some of the course material especially for courses for those who were raised in their cults or groups. Um, And then I just generally kind of keep everything organized as much as possible.
1: Well, thank you for giving that brief introduction. Um, It's great to see who's doing kind of some of that behind the scenes work. Um, And so the way that we kind of want to go about this for everyone listening is we're just gonna ask Tammy some questions, some basic questions uh, that can hopefully help everybody listening understand uh, the whole idea of a cult um, and some topics around that so we can have a good start to uh, to this podcast and to just give you some basic information. Um, so Tammy, one of the questions that we have for you, uh, the first one is what makes a group a cult rather than a religion?
2: Um, okay, that is a great question. And if you've ever Googled that question, you will find that the answers that you get back are pretty confusing and pretty all over the board. So we really do like to educate about this specific thing um, in particular. So there are a couple of different ways that you can look at what defines a cult. Um, Yanya actually has sort of the gold standard in this area. that. Her theory is called bounded choice, Um, and bounded choice is basically defined as um, a cult having four distinct characteristics. Um, So the four characteristics would be, number one, a charismatic authority within the organization. So this is basically the leader or the pastor or the person who is in charge of all of the other people within the organization. Um uh, generally, w- within these situations, everyone is is listening and responding to the leader and their ideas and goals, and they kind of set the tone for the entire group um and then the second dimension is the transcendent belief system and this one is really important because this is where people tend to get a little bit confused between cults and religion so a transcendent belief system is the overarching ideology that binds the people in the group to the leader and keeps them acting the way that the leader wants them to act and then the third dimension is the systems of control within the organization. So, this is anything that is visibly seen as a way to manage people's behavior. Um, it guides the g- general day to day operation of the group. Um, it's things like rules and regulations and procedures and, you know, the, the daily sort of Uh, things that everybody does to keep the group running in a certain way Um, and then the last dimension is the systems of influence and this is um, the sort of social influence and and the network of interactions that get formed within cults um, that are sort of very specific to these types of groups based on the other three dimensions. So um, members within a cult learn to adapt their thoughts and attitudes and behaviors um, in relation to the transcendent belief system that they've been told. And of course, all of this also includes a lot of different types of abuses, a lot of different types of indoctrination, um, you know, just sort of really very, very heavy thought control. Um, but that's just kind of a very neat way of of sort of putting some some parameters in place to understand what a cult is Um, and then there's also another cult expert named Stephen Hassan who has um, created a model called the b-i-t-e bite model for understanding cults and coercion and manipulation and essentially the bite model and you can google this or if you like i can send you a link that you can put in your show notes um, Basically, the BITE model uh, looks at the ways in which people are controlled within cults. So the B stands for behavior, the I stands for information, the T stands for thought control, and the E stands for emotional control. And so to me, this is sort of getting into the very nitty gritty of what happens within indoctrination and manipulated, manipulation and coercive control. So, if you think about the ways in which cult leaders be, be, control your behavior, you're talking about things like, um, you know, promoting groupthink. Um, Punishing people for for not believing the way the in the ways they want you to believe. This could be physical punishment. It could be, you know, any number of of you know, beating, torture, you know, sexual sexual punishment. All of those things. Um, they could be threatening to harm your family or your friends. They could be you know, taking away any leisure time that you have and and sort of forcing you to work, things like that. Um, And then information control is basically where you get isolated within your group to the point that you don't really know what's happening in the outside world. Um, Information is deliberately withheld from you or you're even, you know, told wrong information. Um, And then thought control is where you really get into kind of the heart of what what cultic control and cultic abuse looks like. So this is where we're talking about um, indoctrination into the group where you're told, you know, that your reality is not true and that their reality is the true reality. Um, And your thinking becomes very black and white, um, you know, this can also involve, you know, t- different types of hypnosis, even in a way, um, because they, what they're trying to do is alter your mental state and undermine your ability to think critically. Um, and then lastly, I don't want to go on too long about this, but I just, you know, want to kind of lay the groundwork for you. The emotional control uh, has to do a lot with things like um, instilling a fear of punishment and a fear of, of repercussion, you know, if you were to leave, or to tell you that, you know, your family and other people in the outside world are bad or wrong, or, you know, try to make you feel guilty or not worthy of of whatever it is that is kind of the, you know, at the heart of their transcendent belief system. Um, So this is where, you know, people are, are social creatures, and, and when you're in these situations and everything becomes very intense and you start to become very worried that you're either going to get kicked out of the group or shunned or, you know, you, it has become your whole life so, so you really don't have a choice any longer. And, and even if the leader were to say to you, you can leave whenever you want, it's a choice but not a choice. So that's really kind of at the heart of, of what we see as cult, cult
1: manipulation. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic. Um, those, that's great groundwork, I think. And uh, many of you listening, if you've read the stories on our website, uh, or if you are an ex-farm member, I think that there's a lot of things there that you could relate to. Um, we hear a lot of things, um, typically about like that charismatic leader. You know, um, with the farm, it's, it's Rhonda in this case, and, and maybe we could throw like Danny in there too. Um, but just you know having that, that person up at the top that's just controlling all of it. And then seeing all these put into to place, even that four step process was really helpful too, to to kind of um, really get like in detail what it looks like. Because I think um, a lot of times if you're in, like you said, that like group think, like you don't know anything outside of that. So having these points to go with, I think is gonna be fantastic. Um, and it's just great information to have on hand all right. uh next question is how do cult leaders draw people in and keep them there um, okay so if we're
2: looking at at those four dimensions that I talked about before the charismatic authority and transcendent belief system and systems of control and systems of influence what this really comes down to and we see it across the board it's almost like a formula that cult leaders use to to do these things um, and and it's about Sort of manipulation of those things that we talked about—you know, your behavior and thought and emotion um, and so on. So they—they they, cult leaders will use things like um, love and fear against a person, you know, because usually the transcendent belief system will have something to do with making yourself better in some way or becoming, you know. A, something better or, you know, going, going to a better place when you die or just whatever it is, there's always some carrot that is held above the people who are being controlled. Um, and that's just sort of on a broad scale. And then within the day-to-day situations, it's the same type of thing. Everything is based on rewards. And punishments and you know love versus fear um, and guilt versus your duty to to be a part of the group Um, and then the main one is how how we identify with the group that we're in based on how the leader treats us and you know rewards us for going along with whatever it is that they're they're doing because the main the main method of control honestly is fear of being removed or shunned by the group
1: yeah i think that that's a a huge part of um what we see in a lot of the stories is just that intense fear of being kicked off um and and then if you think about it too, sometimes what I try to think about as well as someone who hasn't been on the farm, just those people that are there is that I can only imagine that um, just the terrifying feeling of leaving what you called your family and people who you thought you knew. Um, and then where do you go after that too? So you live there, You, you they provide your food, they provide your housing, they provide all these things, um, not to mention those emotional things that they provided or thought you thought they were providing now are gone. and. Uh, That has to be, you know, despite the bad things that are happening or the things you're even questioning, like that kind of seems to overweigh or outweigh all those things. And it's just this, yeah, intense fear, like you said.
2: Yeah. And that's really it. You know, it's very insidious because they take everything away from you that could distract you from what you're doing. Um, you know, they isolate you from your family. They take away any of your desire to do anything outside of the group and then they make it so that you will do anything to stay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've definitely, uh, seen that across the board, like you said. So uh, I think that's, good things to hear to just remind people that, you know, they make you feel like you're meant to be part of this family or part of this group. And then but that's really all you know. So if we can even just remind people to to think a little bit outside of that. Um to remember even maybe like what your life was before you went on the farm, um, things like that. So um thank you so much for that information. Uh that's super helpful. And I love that it plays off the first question too. Um, so then going into the next question, um, which is kind of one that a lot of people have just gen, uh, generally, is what happens to people when they are in a cult? Um, okay, so essentially, you know, anyone can
2: join a cult, anybody. It, it can happen even to any person who says it will never happen to me because there are just so many different types of manipulation out there and so many different you know, people using various social constructs to to form these groups so it could be really anything and and anyone can get involved and basically what happens is you sort of fall under that spell of being you know having somebody tell you how wonderful you are and how much they want you and how much They want you to be included and and what they're offering and you know if you will only just do this thing or believe this thing, then you'll have everything that you ever wanted, you know? So it's very, you know, it's very transactional always. Um, But, you know, there are also so many abuses that are occurring that maybe you don't see at the beginning as as you're, you know, sort of getting, being excited to be in the group and making friends within the group or, or, you know, getting praise and love from the leader. Um, that by the time you start to question it, your ability to think critically has been taken away from you. So it's really kind of a very tidy way of controlling people.
1: Mm, Like you said too, there's kind of a formula that seems to be across the board. And uh, I think that's people's sometimes people's biggest question about being in a cult or others that are in a cult. And so even from my experience, like I said, I haven't, um, been on the farm and haven't been involved in that necessarily, but it's funny because the people that we do know there, you're like, they would never, they would never do that. Like, that's not them. That doesn't sound like something they would do. And so, um, going along with that, like, do you have any advice as to how you, you know? How you handle that when you know somebody might be involved in that and they just can't see it is there you know what's the advice for people that are in that position um the i think the main thing is that because people
2: you know nobody immediately joins the cult and then thinks oh no this is terrible you know when they've joined they think they're doing something wonderful you know they're working toward a higher power or you know a bigger Something bigger than themselves. So that something that probably would never ever work is for you to say you're in a cult and you need to get out because they don't they won't hear you. They're not going to hear that. Um, really, the best things that that family and friends can do when someone is deeply embedded in, in, and has sort of lost their ability to think critically, as long as they're still talking to you and in contact with you, just being a safe place for them, being somebody that they can talk to where they don't feel like they're being judged, just so that you can you know, keep the lines of communication open and, and give them a place to go if they do decide to leave because as I said before, once you're embedded, your biggest fear is, is leaving, because that's what they do to you. They make you afraid of leaving. So just keeping those lines of communication open and offering a place that would be safe and free from judgment um, and you know, a, a place that they know that they can go if they need any help at all of any kind
1: is, is the best thing you can do. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, do you, and I'm sure you guys have, I know you guys have a lot of resources. Um, and just to let everybody know who's listening to is learning how to ask the right questions. Like you said, how to be there kind of in a judgment free zone for them. And, um, like you said, letting them know that you are a safe space. Is there, um, or are there, you know, some good questions that you can ask or is it more of like just sitting back and listening? That's the best, The way to go that listening is your first line of
2: of moving forward with with building a sense of trust because many many times the people who have joined cults are told not to trust their family not to trust their friends because you know their friends don't really know what is happening and they you know they can't understand so listening
1: yeah.
2: without judgment is is the first thing that you can do and it's so hard it's so hard to do mm-hmm. um right. and then you know once you feel that you've kind of got that trust back again with with the person it's then i think it's it's okay to you know ask some general questions about you know their day-to-day life maybe and and it's tricky because you want to make it so that you're actually interested and not make it seem as if you're prying or trying to get information so it can be mm-hmm. it's a really delicate balance but i think you know having that sense of trust with with the person and you know just genuinely kind of being interested in in what they're saying and telling you is is a good place to start
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It is, it is definitely a hard balance. And because like, all you want to do is dig for some information to figure out how you can find that one tidbit you think is going to get you to the point where they can get out. And um, it is definitely tricky. And so going along with that, uh, I think that there's a few people that have had the experience, especially on the farm, um, where they are not, they're no longer in contact with people on the farm, they've totally shut them out. Um, so, what is your what is your thought process on how to handle that if you can't even if you're not in any line of contact with them? Um, so you're saying if if the
2: person that is enmeshed in the cult has cut off contact with their friends and family, what can you do? Um, yeah. Again, it's it's just really really difficult and really really tricky um, to. Cause they're not you know cult leaders are very good at controlling information and access to people um, and you know if you don't know what what your loved one is being told by the cult leader or what kind of you know rewards or punishments they're receiving if they are in contact with someone on the outside um, it, it's just really so hard um, so my suggestion mm-hmm. always is, you know, if you know that there's something happening that is against a law where you live, take it to the police and at least try to get the police involved in some way. Um, other, mm-hmm. otherwise, just you know, if there's any way at all that you can be in contact with them, you know, whether it's a letter that you write or you know, if you have an email address or anything just try to keep to keep that little bit of contact in place if you can
1: yeah yeah for sure yeah it definitely is it definitely is a whole tricky situation and it's one of those things too that you just never envision yourself being you know having a hard time contacting someone you love you know and so it's one of those um kind of abrupt moments where yeah you kind of i think in in our experience too is just kind of going to every single outlet we can think of to, um, get attention, you know, to it. And so, uh, and then we've talked about in previous podcasts and, and on our um, social medias too about how you can contact police in your area. If you need help doing that, if that's something you feel like you want to do, even if you just want someone to call with you, we're always around for that kind of thing. Um, but just remembering you do have options. I think that's almost one of the, the really important things too, is, um, it's easy to lose hope really quickly, but there are, there are options Are there are, you know, um, things that you can do, uh, instead of, you know, kind of just sitting there and accepting it. So I, I appreciate Mm -hmm. that information. Um, do you have any other thoughts on how family and friends, um, can help someone in a cult? Anything else to add Um, on that? Well, I think
2: you all are doing the right things, you know, um, in the sense of being in touch with other people who have left so that you can at least have an idea of what is going on on the inside and how the, how the people are being controlled. Um, And, you know, so many times when a cult is brought down, it's not because of the really awful abuses that are happening, it's because they're breaking some law, you know, like they're evading taxes or you know, something like that. So just being, trying to be as aware as possible about what is happening from a legal standpoint within the group um, can also be a really good opportunity for you to get someone in there who can,
1: can shut it down. Yeah, do something about it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely. If, if anybody listening to you has any thoughts on that, or if you have, if you are an X far member, and you, you know about things that don't sound quite right. We're always here to listen. Um, And we do have that uh, where you can be anonymous in that as well if you want to go on our website. Um, And we also have a forum on there too. If you want to talk and be anonymous there, you can use that as well. um, So we can have conversation without you feeling like you have to share who you are. Um, Because I know that can be scary in these um, circumstances. So um, when you said you kind of mentioned the whole idea of like leaving the call and how it can be terrifying to do. And there's a lot of fear involved in that. So then what happens when they do leave a cult? Because I feel like that's a really big portion and one we don't always think about. We just want to like get them out. Um, However, that process afterwards is so important. So what do you have to to say about that? Um, Yes. Okay. So what you have
2: to remember is that when someone is finally making a decision to leave, that they are going to be terrified Um, they're not going to have a sense of who they are anymore Um, and they're going to have a lot of work ahead of them to recover Um, and that's you know just starting with being able to feel safe in the world um, is a huge thing for for cult survivors Um, and that you know going from those you know if you think of the hierarchy of needs and and what you need to be able to survive in the world just as a regular non-cult survivor. um, Take that and sort of multiply it times 10. Um, And so you start with that sort of bottom layer of safety and security and and kind of go up from there in terms of, of getting them the help that they need to recover because people who are coming out of situations where they've been controlled through coercion and manipulation Literally just kind of have lost who they are and 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 need to try to find that part of themselves again Um, They probably are going to feel like an outsider They they're not going to know how to be around people that are not in their cult Um, They're probably going to feel that other people won't understand their experiences, so they may not even want to talk about it at first, um, and then they to feel angry or embarrassed about things that they did or things that were done to them, and you know the things that they missed while they were w- within the organization. Um, you know, a lot of times, if, if someone has entered while they're still school age, they miss out on a a lot of education while they're in the cult or they're, you know, educated in a completely different way that is not, you know, doesn't line up with what we do in in society. Um, So cult survivors then have to begin to learn how to think critically again and how to trust their own instincts because that's really something that gets taken away from you when you're controlled in that way. Um, and how to manage the things that are going to trigger them once they're out in in the regular world again Um, because there are just so many things when you're traumatized in this way that come back to you um, that make it very very hard for you to to live in a state of of relative calm on a daily basis most people who are coming out of cults are are sort of you know they're they're general sense of um, well-being is, has been destroyed and they're living in, in a kind of state of arousal that is so much higher than people who have not been in a cult. So they're constantly being um, overstimulated and triggered and so it's just it, it's a lot to take on when, when you're just coming out of, of that type of manipulation and abuse. Um, and then there's just, you know, the basic day-to-day things, like how can they, you know, get a job and support themselves again and how, you know, how can they rebuild their relationships with their families and friends and, you know, just dealing with all of the things that, that come along with with complex trauma.
1: obvious that there's a lot of work that has to be done afterwards, how, no matter how long you've been involved um and so then do you have so in the the off chance that we do have um ex members listening to this um or not ex member well ex members and as well as people who are currently in the cult um do you have like i don't know any kind of advice or something that um can be shared to encourage them that there is hope on the other side of this that there can be actual healing um and that there are uh, licensed professionals ready to come alongside them, which is something they have not had at the farm because as, as far as we're aware, there's no such thing as licensed anybody in there and anybody after a certain, I think they don't even let people in if they have a college degree typically. So it's, it's yeah, do you have any advice for people who are listening?
2: Yes, and this is, you know, this is one of the other things that is so insidious about cults. And I, I looked at the website um, for the farm and I, the first thing that I was struck by is that they um, are sort of advertising themselves as a place to go to recover from trauma, which is just what a horrific thing to do. What a, just an awful, awful thing to tell people that that you're going to help them recover from trauma when you're actually traumatizing. Um, so. So I can I understand, I'm also a survivor, so I completely understand when, when you come out, um, you don't trust anyone within a position of authority in that way. Um, you may not want to speak to a therapist because you've been abused in a therapeutic setting. Um, so, you know, the first thing to do really is to learn as much as you can about cults and cult manipulation and the way that cults work so that you have a framework for understanding your experience and once you're able to get that um, you know just through through working on your own or you know talking to other survivors then you can kind of build upon that knowledge to to understand your specific situations within your cult so that you can begin to understand how it happened and And how what you need to do to be able to recover and heal and it's it does feel so overwhelming at first because there's just so much Um, but I can tell you that that working through the ways in which I was abused and manipulated was the best thing that I ever did for myself because it really did help me understand, you know, instead of just going around in this state of constant anger and rage and not knowing why, being able to understand how I was manipulated and controlled and what that indoctrination did to me was the, the best thing I've ever done.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate that um, and sharing that. So then, um... If you don't mind obviously you said you have some experience do you mind kind of um, shedding some light on that and, and what it looked like for you yourself to exit a cult sure um, my
2: experience is, is a slightly different from from people who joined later in life because I was born and raised in uh, an extreme Christian fundamentalist cult so um, when I was probably it was pretty bad, you know, there was a lot of different types of abuse that that occurred on on a daily and weekly basis, um physical abuse and sexual abuse and just emotional abuse from you know kind of being told that the that the world was going to end at any moment, and you know if you if you weren't a believer that you were going to go to hell and live in hell for the rest of your life, which is just a really awful thing to tell a child anyway but but it was really. You know, when, when you're talking about extremist group, it's it, they make it so much more real, and and the, combined with the abuses that that you suffer while they're telling you these things, it's just in your brain, and and it's almost impossible to get away from that type of constant indoctrination. So <clears throat> we they used to make us watch these these um, the sort of indoctrination films about. Um, the end of the world That were so terrifying Um, And I remember there was there was a film that we watched over and over again, and and I was probably in fifth grade or so uh, we were watching it again and um, It just occurred to me that they they were trying to Frighten people children into doing what they wanted and believing what they wanted and I don't know you know when you're indoctrinated in that way, you don't really have a chance to build critical thinking, and so I don't even really know how this idea came to me that it was wrong and that I was just going to not believe it anymore. And so <clears throat> that was when I was 12. But we were very enmeshed within the group because we we had our own small school, um, and we were at if we weren't at school, we were at church or doing church things um it wasn't you know a live-in cult per se but we were not really allowed to be um, involved with the outside world in any any way so uh, my mom worked at the the school as well so she was there and, and she knew the things that were happening to me from an abuse standpoint um and so that was just another thing that was just really hard to deal with coming out was kind of reconciling you know my parents belief system and and how that affected me um, but but so when I was at a you know fifth or sixth grade and I just kind of quietly decided that I wasn't going to believe it anymore kind of got through that for a couple of years and then it, it really you know when you hit your teenage years it kind of becomes very obvious that you're you know you can't you can't hide those things anymore <laughs> so things got a lot worse for me during that time and um so I, I just had to sort of stay in it until I was old enough to leave when I was 18. So um, I, I walked away and I uh, didn't know, have any idea really what had happened to me or how it had affected me and you know, had no support system. So I went through a lot of, of my early adult years just kind of you know, trying to treat the symptoms and not the real issue of, of the occultic abuse. So I saw therapists and, you know, I read a lot of books and things like that, but I I just never really got to the heart of what was really going on with me and dealing with that severe indoctrination until um, probably until I was in my late 30s, I would say. But, yeah, so I, I am definitely an example of how, if you don't deal with it and you, and you don't find a way to kind of educate yourself and reconcile your experiences, you can only get so far in your recovery. Um, and, and really, honestly, the best thing you can do for yourself is to kind of really, really focus on that coercive control and manipulation and abuse and, and look at it and how it has affected your
1: life. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Uh, It's always helpful, I think, to hear from somebody else who's been through something similar, um, although unfortunate that that's where we are. Um, But yeah, we. I mean, as you've probably read some of the stories on the website, I mean, we hear a lot of the similar things, just where you're forced to listen to things that they tell you to listen to, and then on top of that, you're being abused, you're being worked worked from sun up to sundown and um you're exhausted you're just you're tired um all those things so it's it's so hard to uh even to wrap my mind around is the the whole concept is really tough for me because you know especially like you said in the beginning they're promoting the fact that they help you deal with trauma and yet they're throwing trauma after trauma after trauma on you bringing up trauma that was never there sometimes too um you know, you say one thing, they take it ten miles ahead, and you know, say it was because your parents did this, or your, you know, your siblings, or your family members, and that's what's that's what's so hard, and for someone too who's already struggling with things going in there, which is a vast majority of the people who show up at the farm. How do you even know what's right or wrong? You know, you don't know what actually happened to you, maybe, and if you had gotten the right help, how what and in, in would they be in such a different place? Um, so it's, it's definitely a hard topic. And for some of us, I think it's hard to grasp, but it's so good to hear from somebody who's had actual experience and um, has gotten out. And like you said, it sounds like it took a few years, but at some point you just kind of say enough is enough um, from what it sounds like. And uh, we're grateful that you got to that point so you could be here today. Um, but it's just, it's so good and encouraging to to hear that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, it's really wonderful the way that we are um, being able to educate people today I mean when I you know 30 years ago when I came out there none of this information really even existed so and I often wonder you know where how different my life would have been if I had had access to that kind of recovery support and that kind of information right away You know, and so, I mean, I think the thing to remember is that there is help available to you if you are exiting a cult or if you, you know, at any point in your life have been a victim of coercive control and manipulation and abuse of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, so with that being said, um, one of our last questions is just, um, what does your organization do to help cult survivors and their family and friends involved?
2: Um, Okay, so the Lawless Center um, has a lot of different avenues of helping people in their recovery. We provide um, resources, first and foremost, um, you know, so that if somebody is coming out and they don't feel like they're ready to talk to someone, we can at least sort of point you in the right direction with some resources that you can use to educate yourself and maybe listen to other people's stories and you know, kind of get your head around your own experience. Um, and then when you're ready, we offer psychoeducational courses for recovery for people who are victims of coercive control, malignant narcissism, cultic control, um, any of those things. So um, our courses are usually <clears throat> five or six weeks, um, two hour sessions at a time, and you'll be, uh, You'll be in a Zoom situation with other survivors from many different types of organizations. And the really wonderful thing about that is that you begin to see where the common threads are, because there are so many common threads between all of these different types of organizations, whether it's a very small cult or when a huge one like you know, Scientology, for example. Um, and so Yanya Lalich and uh, our trauma therapist Beth Matner have put together uh, these psychoeducational courses that help people understand their experience under the framework of cultic manipulation. Um, and it uh, allows you to understand how trauma affects our bodies and our brains. It allows you to understand how cult manipulation happens. It allows you to understand um, your own specific issues and needs as, as a cult survivor um, and it gives you just some really great tools for being able to manage those things. So we have uh, those, those courses which will be starting again probably in the summer uh, of this year. Um, and in the meantime, we also offer discussion groups for survivors, which, which is a wonderful way to be, you know, sort of in an interpersonal situation with other people who understand your experience because they've been there themselves. And these are moderated discussion groups so that there always be somebody there who can kind of make sure that everything is safe and that everyone, you know, feels that, that they're in a trusting environment so that they can, you know, get, have a chance to talk and listen to other people
1: yeah those are all great options and just thinking about um the idea of like you said being amongst other survivors i think that's just the biggest thing and with anything in life uh that's troubling or or difficult, you know, sometimes we think that we're the only ones going through it. And so hearing somebody else say, I had a similar experience, especially to this extent, where there's some things are just so wild, that like, and when I first heard them, I couldn't, it just like almost went in one ear and out the other, because I just didn't understand how, how that was even possible in this world. And so and then, but they're living this everyday life in it. And to have somebody else who who you know went through something similar just has another wild crazy story of what happened to them and to share that I think is so is so um critical and but then again just like taking that step is so hard because you know one like you said you don't want to be embarrassed by or by what happened or maybe there are things that they did within the cult that are um you know that looking back on them they're not proud of it and so that's what's so hard too is like you get shamed inside there but then you feel like you're gonna get shamed outside of there so it's like where do you belong in like this weird in-between zone um that some people might be in and so um with all that said um if you were talking to an ex member um or somebody who's currently within the cult what would be something that you know if, if they're looking for let's say they're in the process of thinking about hey i'm not really sure i'm on board with what's going on here um and they're thinking about what are my what, what plan of action can I put in place to um, get out and then get to this recovery place to get to a place where you can even start to, to figure out what to do next? What would you, what would you be saying to them? Um, I would say,
2: first of all, if if there's someone who is still in an organization and you feel that you're being um, abused and manipulated and controlled through coercion and you want to escape if you can find an organization that helps helps cult survivors or if you have a family or a trusted friend that you can reach out to and say you know I'm having these doubts and I'm, I'm thinking of leaving that there are someone that will help you you there are still people in your life that that want to help you and love you and care about you um, if you're if you're having doubts and and you're feeling afraid of leaving just try to weigh the idea of, of staying versus leaving in the sense of you know if I stay with these doubts how will that make me feel if I leave with these doubts and I have someone who can help me work through them will that make my life better um, and you know all i can say is that it's not an easy thing to do people who leave cults are some of the bravest people i've ever seen because you have so much going against you to make that decision to walk away but there's help out there there's support out there there are people who have been there and understand what you're going through and you know you'll be taking a step into a completely new world that will be safer and that will make you feel better about yourself and your the choices that you make in your life and it will give you more choices. So that's really that's really what it comes down to I think is that you need to know that you can still be safe and that you that your life will open up with so many more choices and opportunities.
1: Yeah. The whole concept that you just said I love is, is that you do, you have a choice. Um, I'm sure it feels like you don't. And there's a lot of times that we in general in life feel like we don't have a choice, but there's, there's always one. And it just probably looks really hard, um, to make that choice. But, um, yeah, just reminding the the people who are still involved that in any cult and not just the farm, obviously, but that there's, there's choices out there in that, um, uh people like tammy are happy to be a part of that and give resources we're happy to offer resources and with that said uh you can find all of the information on their organization um you'll they'll be in the description as well as on our website um under the resources tab and um yeah thank you so much for sharing all the information tammy it was so insightful and i think that um we can all uh walk away after listening to this and just kind of feel a little bit more equipped to um Love on somebody who's in a call, or someone who's just gotten out of one, and not to mention all the resources that are out there for people who are still involved. And uh, we're just hoping that something in this podcast clicked with them, and they can remember who they are. Um, and at the end of the day, they are loved, and um, there's so many people out there rooting for them and cheering for them to to make the decision um, when when they're ready to to leave. Um, anything else that you want to add to the to to say to anybody? Um, No, I I just want to say that
2: I really uh, admire the work that you're doing. It's obviously a labor of love for you, and obviously there are people that you love that have been involved with this particular group and, and perhaps even other cults, you know, because they are so ubiquitous. Um, but if anyone wants to reach out to the Lalich Center or to me specifically, I'm happy to spend some time talking to you about your situation and seeing uh, if there's a way that we can assist you in your recovery. Um, you can reach me at info at That's L-A-L-I-C-H-C-E-N-T-E-R.org.
1: And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much, Tammy.
0: Thank you for listening to The Farm Project Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new releases and updates. You can visit our website at www.thefarmprojectmo.org. And for more information, you can follow us on social media at thefarmproject_mo. underscore mo. Do you have a story to tell? You aren't alone. We will respect your privacy if you do decide to share it. Our goal is to warn others and also take solace in a shared grief connect with us on our website or social media to share your story or to just talk to another ex-farm member. And one last thing before we go, have a question about the episode you just heard? Hop on over to our website and submit your question by following the link on our homepage.